0: You know, uh, this week I ran into a couple people who were having a hard time during Christmas time. I was at the library and there was somebody that was checking me out there at the library and asked her how she was doing and how her Christmas is going. And she shared how Christmas time is a really hard time for her. I went to Dallas Life Foundation and led a um chapel service there amongst the the homeless there in the shelter at Dallas Life Foundation and as I was talking about Christmas time uh, I could see pain on faces and tears rolling down cheeks as those in the shelter were thinking about the families that they don't have to spend Christmas with or the homes that they don't have or whatever the pain was associated with, that it was just a hard hard time for them. And it's ironic. It's ironic to me that at a season where we enjoy joy, generosity, we celebrate peace, we celebrate Jesus, right, that so many people are hurting during this time, That that for so many people, this isn't the most wonderful time of the year. Others it is. Others it is because you, you get to be with family. You get to enjoy the good things in life. You get to s- pull back and reflect. But, but for others, it's, it's, it's a magnification of the pain and the brokenness in their lives. And it's painful. I'm sure many of you have experienced, as like I have, uh, a Christmas time where you you came into it with anticipation, and then when it was all said and done, when all the wrapping paper was cleaned up and and, and the decorations were put away, leaving Christmas time with a sense of dissatisfaction. Has anybody ever experienced that besides myself? Maybe as a kid. I was, I was thinking about that. Why? Why is it that many times we found ourselves disappointed? Why? Why do we find ourselves disappointed during this time of year uh, after it's all said and done? And one of the reasons I think is because we're putting our hope in the wrong place. And so I want to challenge us today to make the most of this Christmas season. Make it the most meaningful, the most satisfying by making it a worshipful. Christmas season, by putting your focus on Jesus, the ultimate gift, by enjoying him and celebrating him, rejoicing in him, singing the hymn, getting quiet, spending time with him and letting him satisfy your heart. We're going to look at a character in the Bible, Mary, we find ourselves back to a familiar story that we all know. And we're going to look at her worshipful response to the Christmas message. I think there are some things that we can learn from her and imitate from her in responding to the message of Christmas in a way that honors God, in a way that we find joy and satisfaction and meaning in this time of year. Don't let the good things of this season eclipse the best. Don't let, don't let the good things of this season eclipse the best and the very reason that we celebrate this season, namely that God came, Jesus became a man and He dwelt among us and He came to save us and redeem us and rescue us. And so let's open up scripture to Luke chapter 1 and we're gonna go over the story and we're gonna look at Mary's worshipful response to the Christmas message. And then I want to challenge us to respond. We're going to, at the end of the service, we're going to respond with singing, with worship, with surrender. Let's adore our Lord and Savior together. Luke chapter one, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel. How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month, with her whom was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And in those days... Mary rose and went in haste into the hill country to a town in Judea and she entered into a house of the, the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit Amen. Lord, as we open up these scriptures and we look at your word and we look at the story of Christmas, would you ignite our hearts with faith, with worship, with surrender? And may we see clearly that you are good, that you are our savior and you came to rescue us. And may we respond appropriately in Jesus name. Amen. So here's the big idea. This is where we're going this morning. Mary exemplified a worshipful response to the Christmas message, setting an example for us that is worthy of imitation. Now throughout history, Mary has been either by Protestants downplayed, like or by by Catholics exalted even to a, a place of higher honor than 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 we should. Yet we should honor her as a godly woman. But we shouldn't worship her. She had an honorable role. She had a hard role. And she responded in a way that glorified God. Imagine having that crazy ask of Mary. One, just it's hard to be a mother. Just in general. How many moms we got here? And all the moms can say amen. There are challenges and difficulty that come along with just burying a son. A child, right? Carrying a child, then delivering a child. That's just not an easy task, right, moms? So Mary not only had that, that task, but she also had to become a mom without actually being with her fiance or her husband to be. And so she had to bear a reproach. She had to experience I'm sure ridicule and a reproach from friends, family, because she received this gift of Jesus into her life. She received God's good plan for her and through her, and she ex- had to experience some challenges, some difficulty, even being in danger of her own life for doing so. And so she had a hard role, but yet an Honorable role. The angel of the Lord appears to her, tells her, "Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive, and you will bear a son. And you will call his name Jesus." I mean, just think about this, and and all the asks that God has made throughout the in the Bible. I mean, this has to be one of the the wildest asks that God asked of a person to to carry. A, a child and not even be with their their husband it's a crazy ask and throughout the bible god does supernatural things as i said last week christianity is a is a uh, movement that was started by god by the spirit of the living god and it continues by the work of the holy spirit the angel says that the holy spirit is going to overshadow you mary was miraculous uh, miraculously pregnant and pregnated by the Holy Spirit of God. It was a work of God, a divine work of God intervening into human history. God was breaking into human history and he chose to do it through this little poor girl in Nazareth. And Jesus was born in humble circumstances. He humbled himself and he, and he came into this family so she had an honorable yet hard role, and notice her response to that. She has a question. She didn't just, in blind faith, just say, oh, that's wonderful, I'm gonna have a baby. And I haven't been with my husband yet. Right? She legitimately has a question, like, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Right? So, so she, she was thoughtful in her response. That's legitimate. It wasn't, she wasn't asking questions necessarily in doubt. Maybe like, uh, Zechariah was in chapter one or previously, you know, Zechariah and Elizabeth were old in age and, and the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, you're going to have a son. And he doubts and in response. He, he asks a question in doubt. And because of that, the angel says, you're not going to be able to speak until John the Baptist, until John is, is born. So there's, there's a way that we can respond and ask questions and be curious without being full of doubt there's There's a legitimate way for us to think about our faith and think about the promises of God and respond thoughtfully god God doesn't call us necessary necessarily to a blind faith, okay It's okay for us to ask questions. Mary struggled with the particulars or had questions about the particulars of how this would happen, but she believed the promise of God that she would have supernaturally that she would have a baby and the angel declares a truth about god that that we all believe uh and that's foundational for our faith is is uh that nothing with for nothing will be impossible with god god can do anything this again as i said last week this isn't the first time that god brings forth the baby miraculously We go all the way back to Genesis and we got Abraham and we got Sarah who were way too old to have children. And God just, you know, God's kind of funny sometimes in in the things that he does. He he decided he was going to give them a, a baby in their old age and And Sarah laughs at that news It's kind of a funny thought for her, right? Uh, Hannah in the Old Testament, Hannah, who couldn't bear a baby, God opened her womb and gave her a child uh, we got again, we got elizabeth and and Zechariah here. So Mary hears the promise, and she responds with surrender and trust to God and this is the heart of a worshiper. This is the heart of of true worship. It's a response of surrender. She says these words, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She submitted to the good plans of God. They didn't make a lot of sense to the human mind, right? Like a virgin have a baby? Doesn't make sense, right? But she believed. And she was willing to take the risk. She was willing to bear the reproach. She was willing to go through the hard parts of, of that, that, that would be required in having this son. And then one day she would have to watch this son die at a young age, crucified, half naked, hanging on a cross. And so she had to go through some difficult things, but she is given an honorable place in history and she responded in an honorable way to God. She had God's favor and smile on her. And so she models for us a way that we can respond to the Christmas message in worship, namely surrender. Surrender your life to God. Romans 12.1 says this, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your reasonable act of worship. This is what true worship looks like. It's not just singing. It's not just going through liturgy or showing up at church. It's living your life. For God and his purposes and his will. Surrendering your life. This right here is a posture of surrender. And this is a posture of worship. When I came to Jesus Christ, I had my hands up in the air like this. When people get arrested and they're surrendering, they communicate their surrendering by putting their hands up. I surrender, right? This is a universal sign Of surrender. This is what worship looks like when it's coming from the heart. I surrender to you, God. I surrender to your will. And so we see God sovereignly, divinely intervening in human history. And then we see a beautiful human response. The response of Mary. A response of surrender. Saying, I'm your servant, God. Let it be to me. According to your word. So there's trust there. There's faith there. There's surrender there. There's submission to the good plans of God. Uh, There's this there's a song there um, that many of you know. It's Mary. Did you know Mary? Did you know that your baby boy will one day walk in water? Did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. What a profound privilege that she had to carry the Son of God in her womb, deliver the Son of God, nurse the Son of God, raise the Son of God. I'm sure she had some pressure as a parent to make sure she was doing things right. You don't want to mess up when you, when you're baby, when you're parenting the son of God. You want to make sure your parenting is done right, right? And at one point they lost him when he's 12, right? You know, they're like, oh, where'd he go? Oh, we lost the son of God. What are we going to do? But she, she models for us a, a life of surrender. She has an honorable role. And, and I love this about Luke. In Luke's gospel, he puts honor. He gives women honor. He highlights that aspect of Jesus' ministry. As you read the Gospel of Luke, and and it wasn't something that was popular in the first century to give women honorable roles. Uh, There there wasn't much of that, like as as much as there is today. Um, But Jesus and and, and Luke puts the the spotlight on that aspect. And, And we see here we got Elizabeth we got uh Mary, we got Anna and Luke chapter 2 uh and there's others throughout the book of Luke. We see God giving this honorable place to women in the ministry. And so Mary had that. She had a very honored honored position. And the second thing is is that she responded in this song. She responded worshipfully to God. She she probably had some scripture memorized tucked away in her heart, stored away. This praise this song this hymn that she breaks out with sounds much like the Old Testament psalms. Sounds much like Hannah's prayer in First Samuel chapter two. and we sang this this morning. Uh, verse 46 says, "Mary said, "My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior' For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and the exalted and and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham and to and to his offspring forever and Mary remained with her that's Elizabeth for about 3 months and then returned home. So she responds with this worship of God. And I just want to look briefly at this. She, she responds joyfully. She says, my soul magnifies God. My spirit rejoices. True worship comes from the inside out. And true worship is marked by joy. Joy. You see joy as a theme laced throughout the book of Psalms as David and the psalmist are expressing their worship to God. There is joy fixed on God that is based on God in joy, enjoyment of God in worship. This is something that comes from the inside out of her and this is appropriate. This is appropriate for us. To respond to the Christmas message that love came down and rescued us. That God stepped into human history to redeem us. The light of the world stepped down into the darkness. It's appropriate for us to respond in adoration and to magnify God. To glorify Him for, for what He's done. Her praise was focused on who God is and what God had done. I love this this phrase, uh, my soul magnifies the Lord. So the, the idea is, to, it means to to glorify, to put spotlight on, to emphasize. Think of a telescope and what a telescope does. You use a telescope to magnify the stars, the greatness of the stars or the moon. And you want to get a glimpse of that. You want to see it. And so our praise, praise and worship magnifies who God is and what he's done that's worship it's, it's it's it puts the spotlight on him and responds to him it's a response from the inside out mary magnifies god as her savior uh, my spirit rejoices in god my savior little side note here mary needed a savior just as much as you and i do the child that she delivered would soon deliver her right um so she praises God as her Savior. Jesus, in, in Matthew 1, 21, uh, the the angel says that you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is our Savior. Luke 2 says, for unto you is born in this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so Jesus is that. And we celebrate that. We magnify him for that. She also magnifies God as the mighty one. He He's the mighty one. He's His name is holy. I love that God uses his strength and his might to work towards those who are weak, poor, broken, and needy. And Mary emphasizes that. She emphasizes in, in that, that, that God, he takes care of the, he fills the hungry with good things. Verse 53, he looked down on her and he blessed her. He did great things for her. He shows mercy. He shows strength and he uses that strength. The almighty wields his strength on your behalf and on my behalf. He executes justice. For the oppressed and righteousness and justice for the oppressed. Verse 51, he scattered the proud. He brought the mighty down from their thrones. He exalted the humble. He filled the hungry. He sent the rich away empty. He helped Israel. He fulfilled his promise. He did what he said he would do. Mary puts the spotlight on God is the one who does these things. And this sounds much like a psalm, much like uh, things that the prophets would say. And she was celebrating that. In Luke, we see uh, several worshipers around the, the the first Christmas. We see Mary, we see Elizabeth, we see Zechariah. In chapter 2, we see the angels praising God seeing glory to God in the highest. We see the shepherds walking away from, from, from that experience, praising God and glorifying God. We see Simeon and we see Anna. We see these godly saints worshiping God. And it's fitting for us to do the same in response to the Christmas message. In, in response to to God coming down to rescue us to redeem us it 's fitting for us to put the spotlight on him, and that is how we will have a meaningful, satisfying, fulfilling Christmas season is by focusing in on him more than we do the gifts, more than we do the parties, more than we do all the all the pleasant things about Christmas. Enjoy those things, but don't let those good things eclipse. The glory of the one whom we celebrate during this season. The light of the world. Let your heart be brought back to him. Come, let us adore him. Let us bow down before him. And I want to I want to encourage you to sing. To use your voice this Christmas. To sing to the Lord. And you may not be a good singer. May, you may not feel like you sing very well. Let it out. From the inside out, praise God, thank God, worship God, magnify Him in your song, and that is, that is a way that God gets glory and receives honor. It's appropriate for us in this season to receive what Christ has done. The ultimate gift ever given was, was Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's fitting for us to receive that gift during this time. And it's fitting for us to respond from receiving that gift and enjoying the gift of Jesus to respond and bringing him a gift. What What could we bring the king of kings that would be fitting? What kind of gift? Our our praise and worship, our adoration—that's right. Our lives, that's it. Our our whole being, our hearts. Lord, I give you my heart. What's that? Frankincense. frankincense and myrrh. <laughs> <laughs> Bring him some frankincense and myrrh. Yeah. Um, give him your life. You know, in our culture, in a lot of a lot of American culture, at birthdays we. It's, it's part of culture to bring gifts, right? Celebrate a birthday with a gift and you, you know, in Latino culture, you pinata, birthday gifts, right? Party, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's fitting for us to bring him a gift during this season. It's, it's first, most important that we receive what he's done for us, and then we respond to him and to what he's done for us with worship, with adoration, and we give him our lives. We give him our praise. We give him our devotion. And as we do this, we will find ourselves most satisfied in him. And he will get most glory and most honor when we're most satisfied in him, when we give ourselves to him, joyfully praise him and adore him this Christmas season. So, church, I have a vision for my family to be a worshiping family, for my children, for the hearts of my children to be amazed and captured by the beauty and the glory of Jesus. My family had a really sweet time this week. We had dinner together, and it was just a desired, fulfilled, and After dinner, we had the Christmas lights on, and we had to turn the lights down, and we pulled out instruments and just began to, I got on the piano and started to sing and worship, convinced my wife to pull out her flute. My little Abigail was on the djembe, just kind of tinkering around. My son got my guitar, and then Karis had the harmonica. We all had an instrument. And they were enjoying it. they weren't running. I mean, it was a pleasant time, and, I, and we were just just singing, I was playing and singing, worshiping God together as a family. And I, I think, man, why can't we do this all the time, right? Why can't we get the kids to you know respond like this all the time? But it was such a sweet moment for our family. It was such a satisfying moment, and for me. That is the meaningful kind of Christmas that I want to lead my family in, where we are focused in on the real reason of the season, and we're responding with song, we're re- responding with our affections being directed to Him. I not only have a vision for my family to be a worshiping family, I have a vision for our church to be a worshiping church. And many Sundays when we come in here, many of us aren't singing. Many of us aren't lifting hands. Many of us don't have tears rolling down our cheeks. Some of us are just trying to, you know, corral our kids, right? Um, But we got all kinds of distractions and things that hinder us, self-consciousness that holds us back, that that keeps us from being free to just worship God with abandon and surrender. We're self-conscious. How do I sound? How do I look? Or I don't like this song or whatever. Whatever whatever the distraction or the hindrance is, And church, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to lay those things down, to press in to God, to go after God with all your heart. You will experience his presence in a profound, deep way as you do that, as you really seek him. When we come together for corporate worship, we come together to seek the face of God. And we want to see Him. We want to see who He is. And the songs that we sing and the words from Scripture that we preach and declare give us a glimpse of who He is. And it's appropriate for us to respond and worship. I mean, we do it for our sports teams, don't we? Or anything else we get excited about in this life. It's a natural response that just comes out of us. We will get wild, over our sports teams, and over silly things that mean nothing in eternity, right? And it's fitting for us to cut loose and to give our affections, to give our devotion, to give our praise to the one who gave his life for us, to the Father who sent his Son for us. And so join in with the host of heaven singing praises To the king of kings. Let the kingdom of God. Come in your life on earth. As it is in heaven. By you doing what heaven does. Namely. Worships. Responds to the glory. And the beauty. Of who Jesus is. Amen. So Lord. Capture our hearts. I know we all struggle. We struggle to. To give you the worship and the, the devotion that you are due. And we, we get so distracted. We get caught up in so many things that don't mean much to you. The cares of this life. And God, I pray that we would focus in on what matters most. That, that we would just get freedom. Freedom. Those of you who do dishes know that it's helpful to soak your dishes in warm soapy water before you start scrubbing away, right? On on things that have been sitting that are crusty. And worship is a way that we could soak in the presence of God and the things of this world, the cares of this life, the struggles just can slip off a lot easier And be loosened up from our lives and cleansed and removed from our lives as we spend time in the presence of God. Or we can just work away in our own strength trying to clean ourselves up and trying to change circumstances. Or we can just worship God and just soak in his presence and let him do the heavy lifting for us. Amen? So let's do that this Christmas. Let's make this the most meaningful, worshipful Christmas season. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift up the light of his countenance on you. May he give you his peace.